Do you know Pastor Damien is not here this morning? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Shock. He's on vacation. So a much needed vacation, needed a break. Anyway, if you brought your Bibles this morning, or if you brought your phones, would you turn to the book of Lamentations? I know, right? Whoever preaches out of the book of Lamentations? We won't stay there long today, but it is our key scripture this morning. I don't know who's running camera. Again, I need to preface that I apologize. I will do my best to stand still today, even though I am terribly excited and you may not know it at the moment. Anyway, if you've got it in your Bibles this morning, raise your hand that you're ready to read this scripture. Let me know you got it. How many of you are cheating right now and you're gonna watch the board? Raise your hand. Okay, it's all right. Just wanna make sure you're ready. All right, I'm gonna be reading from the English Standard Version, so I'm not sure what version they have up there, but it ought to be close enough this morning. That might help. Thank you, whoever said that. Sometimes you just need a little steering direction, right, from the audience. The whole book of Lamentations, we're gonna read it right now together. I'm kidding. <laughs> Chapter three, verse 22 through 23. Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> Maybe it should be fair now. Are you ready now <laughs> that you know where to turn? Praise the Lord. All right, Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says something like this. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Somebody wrote a song about that. I won't bother you to sing it this morning, but it was an old time song. We used to sing it all the time. But I'm gonna read this again. The steadfast love of the Lord. What kind of love is it? And it, the word of God says that it never ceases. What does it never do? And his mercies never come to an end. So how often do they come to an end? They never do. And his mercies are what? When? All right, tell me like you're trying to sell me a sweeper this morning, all right? Convince me, church, that I wanna buy that thing. Great is your faithfulness. Now, if you know me long enough, church, you know what I love to do. What do I love to do when we break down a scripture? Where's the, one of the first places, first three places I love to run? Concordance, yes. Dictionary. So guess where I went? Webster's Dictionary. I cheated and I used Miriam this time, right? So I didn't use Noah's Webster's 1828 dictionary. But you guys are gonna be flabbergasted this morning to come to an understanding of what this verse actually means. You're going to be flabbergasted. If you can't spell it, you probably don't know what it means. Flabbergasted. So this is what it means, literally, from the dictionary. Steadfast, firmly fixed in place immovable, never subject to change. I'm gonna read that again calmly. Firmly fixed in place, it's immovable. Everybody say immovable. Not subject to change. The immovable love of the Lord is never subject to change. That's what that's saying right there when it says the steadfast love 
of the Lord. And I'm not trying to be silly this morning, but what do you think the word never means? Not ever at no time. That's what it means. Not ever, 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 never. It never. So as a young married man who had been just married a short time, there are some things, men, pay attention quickly. You'll benefit from this. You probably already know it, most of you. But there's some things you learn as a young man that you should never, never, never say to your wife. Can I get an amen? amen? You should never, ever, most times. Now, some people would not get offended at this, but for whatever reason, the larger majority, so I won't say the whole group of beautiful women, but a large portion for whatever it is, does not like to say you look like or act like your mother. <laughs> Somebody might have said that one time to their wife. Somebody might have got a very bad look. <laughs> and she might have said, this person, hypothetically, you better never say that again. And guess what? I knew what never meant immediately. But we read this scripture. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never, there it is again, a second time come to an end. And that they're new every morning. And great is your faithfulness, O oh God. And we looked over the definitions. We won't belabor that point. But what do you think the word ceases? So it says the steadfast love of the Lord never, what does the word ceases mean? Stop. It never stops. Ever, right? Now listen, maybe you're like me here today, right? Stacy and I have been at this church, I don't know, I always kind of forget, six years, we'll call it six, it's close enough, right? But when I walked in, and I know some of you know this story, but listen, hear it again this morning. When we walked into this church, you could have asked me any question about the love of God. Does the love of God, does he love you, Jim? Absolutely, I would say it emphatically. I would agree with you. I would shake my head up and down. Yes, yes, yes. Didn't believe it. Hear me. I didn't believe it. I did not believe it. You see, I'd done some things in my past that I wasn't proud of. I can tell you all of them. You're all itching to know. I can see, like, what did you do, Pastor Jim? What did you do? I'm not proud of those things at the end of the day, but boy, the enemy knew that. Man, the enemy knew that, right? And I want to say something today, and if you're taking notes, put this in your note. It was easy for me to trade the truth, God loves me, for a lie. The lie was is that he doesn't because of something I did in my past. And I somehow, even though I knew what was greater, the word of God was greater, and that was my weapon, I'd somehow got tricked into believing that he did not love me as much as I thought he would because of stuff that I had gone through and stuff that I'd done somehow could separate me from the love of God. But the word of God says in Lamentations that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and it never comes to an end, but yet I was so willing to trade that truth for a lie. And it's easy to trade the truth for a lie when you're not connected to the truth.
Hear me, hear me, church. It's easy to trade the truth for a lie when you're not connected to the truth. And what's the truth? The word of God, Jesus, amen. And I wanna say something, listen today emphatically, and you can disagree with me if you want, and that's fine. But you know you can stop praying for a month. You can stop reading your Bible for a month and a half. And it does not change the position of the Father on whether he loves you or not. Hear me. Now listen. However, it does have a major bearing on the strength of that relationship. But it does not at any moment, never, ever, ever mean he doesn't love you or won't love you. And if you do something wrong, he doesn't stop loving you. We're gonna switch gears here. We're gonna to turn to Romans eight. We're gonna read a little bit here, 31 through 39. I believe I gave you the chapter this time. I'm a little nervous. Help me, Jesus. That's Romans eight, 31 through 39, the New Living Translation. Hopefully I got it right. The last time I did that, I put New Living Translation and it wasn't the right one. If I got it wrong, just read with me. It ought to be close. So it says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? And listen, in, in Romans 8, 26 through 30, he's talking about how the Holy Spirit can pray through you when you don't know how to pray. Um, he's also talking that he has made us in right standing with the Father and that he's also given us his glory. And so that's what that verse there in 31 is saying. What shall we say then about these wonderful things? Those are the wonderful things that he's referring to. And it says, since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, who? Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Who dares accuse us? I love that. Shame on you, enemy. Shame on you. Who will then condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us, and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. And what is he doing? He's pleading for us. Listen to this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Well, church, there's a question mark. What do you say? After reading Lamentations, what do you think? <laughs> Trick question. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened even with death? Question mark. Listen back to the story of being tricked and trading the truth for a lie. How many have ever gone through stuff? Some of you are going through stuff right now and you think, man, this is hard. How does God love me? Do you... He's it almost as a mentality like he's punishing us. Have you ever felt that way? Let's be real. Anybody? Nobody wants to raise their hand. But I've been there. I'm going to be honest. I've been there like, man, what did I do wrong, right? These wrong questions to be asked. Instead of internalizing this, we should run to the word of God, right? But sometimes that's hard. Like we've been tricked. We've been duped, right? It gets difficult, but we have to remember and we have to get this revelation. You see, everything flows out of the revelation 
the greater the revelation that we have of the love of God, then we understand who we are in Christ. And when we understand who we are in Christ, we become empowered then to walk out a life of faith. And as we walk out this life of faith, God gives us the strategy to walk out in our eternal purpose and understand what we were made for, what we were designed for, and what we were created to do. And then we can walk in triumph. But to me, I had a knowledge of love, but I had little revelation. And there's a difference. You can know about somebody, but then you can really know them through the spirit of revelation. It's no different sometimes than a physical relationship with my wife. And this really causes a hardship because, see, if you really know how your spouse is made up and their love language... So I'm going to be real, right? I'm going to, I know what my wife's love language is. Thank goodness. It has nothing to do with about her mom. <laughs> it has to do with that she loves to spend time with me. She likes quality of time, right? So here's the thing that perplexes me as a man sometimes. I don't always have to be sitting by her for her to know that I love her. I could be out in the garage, I could be home, I could be out in the garage tinkering on something I have no clue how to fix, a lawnmower, for example. I just go out there because it's a manly thing to do, right? <laughs> fix the lawnmower, it's broken, I should be able to do this. Come on, YouTube. But as long as I'm there, she feels loved. I have a revelation, but I had to study and ask my wife and read a book, The Five Love Languages, to figure that out. And then revelation came. So here's the thing. If you want revelation on the love of God, you've got to be tethered to something. And I'm going to speak of something right now that I have no clue what I'm talking about, other than the fact that I have this really cool shirt on this morning that has sailboats on it. I know nothing about boating, sailing, any of that. So if this is wrong, please chuck it in the trash can. I thought I looked it up. Should be right. Dinah's not here this morning. She might know this. I hope if she's watching and I get it wrong, she can put it on a post or something. But there's a process in the world of boating when a boat comes in to be tied off to the dock. It's a process. Did you know that? I thought it's, hey man, just grab a rope and chuck it up there. But it's such a process that it actually has a name. I had no clue. And do you know what the name is? Any? No, nobody. I'm almost happy that nobody knows, right? Because if I'm getting this wrong right now, you won't challenge me. Mooring. M-O-O-R-I-N-G. Not M-O-R-E. And not Moors as in the people group, right? There's a group of people called the Moors. We're not talking about them this morning either. But there is a process of mooring. Isn't it funny that the process of anchoring to something or tying to something is more? I'm, I'm thinking about it, so don't. I'm not looking at you. I'm thinking about what I just said. 
When you tie off to the love of God and you want revelation, there's always more. There's always more, right? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or we're hungry or we're destitute or we're in danger or we're threatened with death? Does that mean that he doesn't love us? Did he love the Hebrew children? Did he love the Hebrew children? I'm sorry, it was a question. Look up, engage your audience, Jim. It was a question. Did he love Daniel? Did he love Job? How many want to be those people this morning? Tricky question, right? But he did love them, right? He still loved them, even under the death, right? So 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I don't think you got that this morning. My spirit is on fire right now, and it's everything I can do to grab hold of this thing and not move around to every part of this place, but we've got a new camera person in the back, and I'm trying to be nice right now. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is yours, even despite trouble, calamity, persecution, hungry, destitute, or danger, and even death. Overwhelming is victory in yours in Christ Jesus this morning because he loves you. And he loves me. And I'm convinced this is what the word of God is saying, even though I am too right now. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. Neither death nor life. Hello, listen to this part. Neither angels nor demons. Some of you have been troubled and perplexed by a spiritual realm that you have little to understand. But let me tell you, they cannot separate them unless you allow them to separate you from the love of God. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Our Lord, somebody say amen, please. Thank you, Father. You're probably wondering, why, Jim, are you talking about the love of God today? And honestly, to some degree, this isn't anything that I had initially planned for today. It was planned for another date. Um, but God said to talk about this um, today. And listen, I know I'm not the only one in here that struggles, but in the end, we're going to take this thing and under, have an understanding of what the revelation of God means as it means to the Great Commission and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to tie them together today at the end, hopefully. And hopefully Pastor Jim doesn't take 400 rabbit trails like he likes to, and we get confused. So we'll try to keep it somewhat simple today, but so you have an understanding of where we're going but if you walked out of here today, and I didn't say one more word, if you had a revelation today that, man, I get it, Jim, there's just nothing that can separate me from the love of God, that's, I, I think God would be happy with that. But I want to talk about a person um, that Pastor Chris talked about last week. How many appreciated uh, Pastor Chris's message? It was so challenging and timely. Amen? Amen. It was awesome. And he was kind of hard on Peter, though, right? If you were here, like I felt like, man, dude. <laughs> 
kind of hard on Peter. I can, I can say that to him. And I'm also super jealous about his coffee situation in his office. So I have, just so you know, your pastor has uh, submitted a form for counseling to Pastor Chris. And so if you don't, if you weren't paying attention to the message, uh, you won't get it. So anyway, let's turn to Matthew 14, 20 through, through 33. Um, we'll walk through some of the scripture. We'll skip over some stuff, maybe just for the sake of time. Anyway, we'll start reading in, in 22. So again, it's Matthew 14, 23 through 33. Um, this is where Jesus walks on water. So immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get into the boat and cross them to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went to the hills by himself to pray and night fell across the place and he was there all alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. What were they? They were in trouble and they weren't in River City because they were far from the land and the strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves, excuse me, weaves? No, heavy waves. There we go. About three o'clock in the morning. My goodness. Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were what? And they were in what? And they cried out, it must be a ghost. Now, I want to pause for a minute. As most of you know, I don't know how long ago, I forgot. It's already been too long. But a few weeks ago, we went on vacation, right? Went to beautiful Destin, Florida. Sunshine, blue, white sand beaches. Just gorgeous. Do I got you the vibe yet? Gorgeous. I mean, it's blue. We're staying in our condo. We're on the second floor something like that. We're on our balcony and literally like out to the edge of the corner of the church here, there's dolphins swimming. Isn't that beautiful? To, serene and sweet. How many want to go? Right? You ready to book your flight? Yeah, it's beautiful, right? So we've been there for a couple days. My son and my wife say, hey, let's rent a kayak. And let's go out into the ocean. And I can see by some of your faces, you're troubled by this already. I can tell. Brother Frank's like, not in a million years. Forget it. Well, listen, I'm not afraid of the water. I know how to swim. Shark. Yes, amen. True story. Anyway. We have kayaks. I know how to kayak. I know how to operate one for the most part. Be safe. I feel fairly confident, right? It was a yellow flag that day uh, at the moment. And so there were some waves coming in, you know, and they were fairly big. So when I mean fairly, I don't know. They were like it, at, at the bank, they were looked like maybe a foot, foot and a half, two feet tall, right? Nothing that a kayak can't get over. And once you get past the break, should be smooth sailing, right? All right, let's go. So we hop in. We struggled a bit, right? You know, getting out past the break, but we did. We got out there, but I noticed one thing immediately. As soon as we left the break, what seemed to be calm from the shore was not so calm after you got past the break. 
Now listen, I don't, I don't get motion sickness. I don't usually experience any of that. But those foot and a half, two foot waves, all of a sudden were like, more like five or six foot waves out there. And the boat is just going like this and it, I can just feel the current and it's wanting to go like this, right? You can feel the riptide and the current. And we're paddling like, and I can see the condo. For, for the sake of this story, the condo will be this. Here and here, you know? But Stacy and I, and I apologize for a minute, I'm gonna disappear from the camera. But listen, so we're paddling, right? We're paddling and we're paddling. And this is what's happening. All I can feel is I can see the condo over there. And we're paddling and I just wanna stay right in this zone. This is where I wanna be. This is my happy spot. Like I wanna see that thing dead metal. But the current just keeps going like this. Stacy's paddling. She's like, what's happening? What's happening? I'm like, I'm paddling. Paddle harder. She's like, I'm paddling as hard as I can. You know, we're beating our brains out up there. Come on, come on. I'm like, so we're looking for Evan and Tom. And I see Evan paddling, but Tom's not. His partner, these are two tandem kayaks. There's two people in them at the same time. His partner is not paddling. Thinking, how strong is this kid that he can keep up with us? But he comes over by us and we're just chit-chatting or whatever. I'm like, guys, I've had enough. I'm ready to go back in. They're like, okay. So I'm like, told Stacy, we've got to turn this thing. We've got to turn it. We've got to get back. And so we started to turn and she's, she was a little apprehensive because when you make the turn, if you don't make it correctly, one of them waves can wallop you. Next thing you're upside down and you're worrying about sharks. Not a fun place to be. A bit terrifying. It's been terrifying a minute, like, we, but we got turned. But when we turned, like, okay, we still really weren't in the perfect place or what I thought was the perfect place, trying to get back to where we had taken off from. But she's like, where's Evan? And we turn around and I mean, literally they were just there and I'm like, I don't know. They were gone, they gone. Like they are, you, I'm not joking. You can only go so far down at the beach we're at before you run into a place that's actually government land, right? And it's owned by the government. Well, it's miles down the beach. You wanna know where Evan was? They were visiting the Air Force Base. <laughs> Not intentionally, by the way. They were just, they thought that we, there's a pier off in the distance, way back there. And they thought that we were moving toward the pier and they weren't really moving at all. So they just let themselves and they started to drift with that curve. But all of a sudden, they found themselves when they docked like, where are we? <laughs> but we're getting, Stacy and I in the meantime, we're getting beat up. We're coming back in to them. We get past the break. The waves knock us around and we actually get tossed off the kayak, which wasn't the end of the world. I was just happy. But my point in telling you this whole story is, is I can understand a little bit about being fearful in these waves getting knocked around a little bit on a lake, five or six foot waves. You, and it's three o'clock in the morning. Hello, it's dark. That's terrifying. And they freak out. It's a ghost. You know what was running through some of those minds of the people, the disciples in the boat. It's like, man, you sound like a little girl. 
I would have been that guy, by the way, so I'm not pointing my finger. I'd be like, it's a ghost. But after they calm down, right? We'll paraphrase a little bit. Tells them not to be afraid. Take courage, because he's here. But now we get to Peter, right? Again, who Pastor Chris I felt was a little tough on. I hope he ends up watching this, because I'm sure he'll send me a message. But Peter then calls out to the Lord, and he says, if it's really you, tell me to come. Now listen, you're getting banged around at waves, it's dark, and you're fearful. I want you to ask yourself this question, what causes Peter in that moment to say, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come? What kind of relationship did Peter have with Jesus, even as much as he messed up, that would want to get out of a boat? The storm hadn't stopped. See, I think some of us take this story, and if you read on later, you'll find out the storm hadn't stopped yet. Peter got out of that boat, and the waves were still cracking. But what caused Peter to get out of the boat? Is there anything that would cause you to get out of that boat? Now we know Frank's position, so we'll leave him out of the question. It's a lake, I think it's okay, there's no shark. We'll, we'll pretend for now that there's no sharks in this lake. I'm telling you what, I can tell you what caused Peter to get out of the boat. Because he knew Jesus loved him and he trusted him. Those are the only things that would ever motivate him to get out of that boat, is he knew that God loved him. Even in the midst of being Peter, he knew God still loved him, hear me. Even in the midst of being himself, he got out of the boat. Can you imagine stepping out of that boat? Eyes fixed on Jesus. And you start walking. Can you see it? Did you see it for a minute? Stepped out of that boat. Maybe a bit apprehensive, but he's, he's faithful enough. I'm doing this thing because Jesus told him. And I want to challenge you today. In the physical realm, Peter was walking on water. But let me tell you something. In the spiritual realm, he was walking in obedience. And it was because of the obedience that caused him to overcome the physical realm and walk on the water. I think Peter's smiling. Come on. Dude, you're walking. You're walking on water. Hello. I think he's smiling. But then something happens. What happens, church? Did he look at the waves, those five-footers? Oh, my. <laughs> Was that a fish? Is that a fin? I don't know what he said. But whatever it was, he took his eyes off Jesus, right? We can all come to agreement of that. He took his eyes off Jesus for a minute. And he began to sink. 
Peter takes a lot of criticism for this next part. I don't know why. But what does he do next? Lord, help me. Just like that, maybe even louder. Lord, help me. Save me. What Jesus do? Turned around, ignored him, went home. You know, see, we don't need to be hard on Peter because Jesus was loving and he saved him. Pulled him up, right? But he also gave him a little truth right after that. Oh, you a little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? It amazes me that Peter was even able to move in the midst of that turmoil. The very thing that frightened them and freaked them out. The storm and the waves freaked them out. Seeing Jesus walking on the water freaked them out. Being real. What is this thing? Who is this thing? And they come to the conclusion that you must be the son of God, right? Because then he commands everything to calm down, and it does. And it listens to him. And you're probably wondering at this point, what does this story about Peter and the boat have to do with the love of God? Peter would have never left the boat if he would have never known that God loved him. He would have never left the boat if he didn't have a rep first a revelation and understanding that God loved him. And that's what caused him to walk in complete faithfulness and obedience to the word come. Would that, have, if you're in the boat, and Jesus told you to come, would you? Remember the kayak story? It's dark. There's things in the water. You see, there's something that draw, drew all of us when we talk about the love of God. So go back in your mind right now to the, to the process of when you became saved. What was the very thing that drew you to Christ? What was it? Sure, there might be multiple things, but there's a common root and a common thread in all of us this morning. And you can probably guess what it is, but what was it for you? So in your mind this morning, what was that thing that drew you to Christ? Maybe you were in a tough spot. And God gave you the spirit of revelation that you had need for him, but why would you run to that spirit in the midst of a need if you didn't think that God loved you? When you were at the end of your rope, where a lot of us found ourselves, why would you run to something, right? You've never had a, really an encounter with this person, but there's this compelling thing about the spirit of God, the, the spirit of love, because that's who God is, right? That draws every man and then the choice becomes yours. But you see the thing, as we begin to turn this thing, the very thing that drew you to Christ, as we turn this corner, is the very thing that should drive you to go. Just like Pastor Chris talking, it was such a challenging question for me this week as I watched certain parts of that over and over again. But what would we do if Pastor Damien says, I'm shutting this place down, 
we're locking the doors and we're never gathering here again, what would this neighborhood look like? Because the doors of New Life Christian Ministries. But you know what, this week I found myself challenging myself, what would it look like if Jim and Stacy moved out of Scott Street to never be present there again? What would it look like? Would there be any difference? Would the neighbors notice? Maybe you think about that this morning. I don't have the privilege of being like Pastor Chris um, and going back to Shawnee Alliance, but I challenge you to think about this. But see, the thing is, is you can't really establish a drive to go until you've got the revelation of the love of God in your spirit because that's what's going to compel you to do it. Luke 14, 23, it says, then the master said to his servant, I want you to go to the highways and the hedges. Some versions say byways. And it says, compel them to come to my house that it may be filled. You've heard this story before. I grew, I mean, I feel like I grew up in the church, so for the most part, I really did, and it was around a lot of stuff. Stacy and I have had the privilege of being in a lot of ministry, but you knew, like, I always felt like something was missing, and I could never figure it out. I'm like, I can't really, like, man, what is it, Lord, you know? And that's how I started to begin trading the truth for lies, because I began to search for things outside of truth, outside of the Word of God. But listen to me, we were involved in a lot of stuff, all which would be good, right? And so I say these things today, so please understand that I'm not bragging about Stacy and I, because many of you have done many of these same things. But I just want you to get a taste of all the stuff that we've been maybe involved with. Like at one point, we cleaned the church. So not this church, but we were at a church and we had the duty to scrub the toilets. Which it, we did it, sweet floors, blah, 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 whatever, right? We helped with the te junior church department, right? My mom, who still helps with the junior church here, we served under her. We did all that. At one point, I was part of youth ministry and small groups, blah, blah, blah. So you get the idea. We don't need to keep going on and on. But in the midst of all of that, even how good it was, there always seemed to me like there was just that one thing. Like, man, it's just, what is it, Lord? Like, and you see, God continued to pour into my life. Hear me out. He continued to pour into my life blessings, all kinds of stuff. You know the testimonies and the stories as he pours in. But for some reason, I felt like it was better to be a dam than a river. I love the love of God and I wanted to store up it. Store up it? I wanted to store it for myself. I wanted to keep it in storage so I could always have some to go back on. Right? The love of God was never meant to be that way. It was always meant to be more like a river. You're meant to be like a distribution center because it always comes to the distribution center first. Then they send it out. They send it out, right? UPS doesn't keep their packages, do they, Evan? Negative. <laughs> Negative. I'm sure they have some packages, though, that never got delivered. <laughs> I tease them sometimes. I prefer FedEx myself. 
I'm kidding. <laughs> I've got friends that work for FedEx and the whole UPS. UPS is awesome. But it'd be a terrible place for UPS if that's all they did is store up packages in their facility. It was meant to go somewhere. The love of God was meant to go somewhere. It was meant to hit you first. And that very thing that drew you is the thing that should drive you then to go ye into all the world, to go to the highways and the byways and compel them. Listen, I was so excited about sharing you, with you what this word compel means is that I copy and pasted this whole thing and it says, please save this and log in. The heck? Anyway, compel. Hear this definition out. To drive or to urge forcefully or irresistibly. Oh man, I love that. And see, I already know what's probably going through your mind is you heard the words urge forcefully. You should be saved and you're thinking of the soapbox and blah, blah, blah. But could I dare say that you could urge forcefully by talking to somebody at Walmart or a neighbor and you find out they've got an issue and you have the solution? Isn't that urging forcefully when you know there's an issue and God says, I want you to meet that issue? I have no doubt in my mind, most of you, if you saw me at the corner of Metcalf and Elm Street and my hood was up, you would stop, make sure I was all right. Somebody shake their head. There's nobody shaking their head, right? If you're watching online, there is nobody shaking their head that said they would come to my rescue. I'm worried right now. I drive a red pickup truck. If you see it, please help. But if I did, you would come to my rescue, wouldn't you? I mean, I know most of you, you would. But let me dare say that there are hoods up all over this city, all over your neighborhoods, all over the workplace that are waiting for you to stop by when the Spirit leads you. And I'm going to say something that is going to get me in trouble. But we and myself have used this next thing as an excuse too many times. And listen, I believe in Romans 8 being filled with the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. When God tells you to do something, I begin to pray in the Spirit because I don't maybe totally have full understanding of what he wants me to do. But I know when I pray in the spirit that my spirit is connecting with his spirit and I'll get revelation. But listen, so many times we use the excuse, oh, well, I'll do that. I'll stop and help Brother Jim if the spirit tells me. I don't have my Bible up here, but if I did, the Bible says to go into all the world. The Bible says go to the highways and byways. And if we go back to the debate that, the debate that I'm not going to spend time on, it might even say since you're going anyway. Since you're going to work anyway. Since you're driving around going to get groceries anyway. Compel them to come. You see, the thing that holds us to Christ himself absolutely should be the thing that compels us to go. And I dare say, the greater revelation that we have of the love of God, the greater we're driven to go. But it all starts, and the, 
And just in closing, as we get ready to go today, um, I don't know how long ago it was, so I apologize, but Stacy had a vision. And they were like all these um, buckets, right? And each of these things kind of represents a bucket. But at some point, as the water began to fill, it filled up in our, in our situation today, and for my analogy, it fills up revelation, right? And it gets so full that it begins to pour out and you have a greater understanding of love, the very thing that drew you. And your bucket is so full that it pours out and it empowers you, just like we said at the beginning. And then you understand who you are in Christ. And if we had time, we would go back to Ephesians and we would be reminded the fact that God says, I seated you next to me. So everything that I'm asking you to do, I've equipped you to do. I've seated you at my right hand, which is the hand of power and authority. All power, all authority are yours. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I'm an introvert. I know you don't know that as much as I'm yelling at you right now. You don't know that. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at me, by the way. So don't think I'm yelling at you. But I kind of like to stay home and not be around people. That's my happy place. I'm weird. People don't want to be around me anyway. Listen, by the power of the Spirit, I am not introverted. All that stuff gets blown out of the water by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, the guy that walked in the door six years ago had no desire to go. And it was a thing that was missing in my life. Saving all that stuff up, all that stuff, all that love up for myself, and all it did was get dry rotted. Had no life in it. It would breathe a little life into me and it would die. But all of a sudden, as greater revelation came about really how much God loved me, and I stopped being a servant and became a son because son serves, but servants are never sons. Somebody needs to get that in your spirit this morning. Sons will always serve, but servants are never sons. You are a son and a daughter today of the Most High God. He's equipped you and empowered you to do this through the great revelation of how much he loves you. Remember the cross, and he did it for you, and he did it for me. And shouldn't that be the very thing that wants to tell our neighbors forcefully? Again, I'm not asking you to take the chainsaw, cut down the fence that divides you and your neighbor, bust through like a superhero, and say, you need to be saved. That's not what I'm asking from you today. But as the Holy Spirit gives you greater revelation and compels you to go, there should be nothing we wouldn't do to pull them out of the hands of hell. There should be nothing that I shouldn't want to do to pull them from the hands of hell. Would you stand with me this morning? I hope you were reminded this morning of just how much God loves you. And I know I'm not the only one in here that 
has either struggled with that at times or is currently struggling with that, that when we make mistakes, we think, well, God doesn't love me anymore. And I just say it one more time, that's a lie of the enemy. We've read today over and over and we didn't even have near the amount of scriptures that would tell us that there's nothing that can separate us from his love. I hope you found yourself challenged today and you're probably wondering, man, why are you and pastor and so many others and even pastor Chris who had no idea what we've been talking about necessarily, why are you guys being so emphatic about going? Because it's what Jesus did. You see, he went when he left the Father. Who would want to do that? Our loving Heavenly Father sent his only son down here so that we might be saved. And you see, it was our part in the end that separated us anyway in the garden. And so it should be that very thing that drives us. Such a love. No, that's why we sang that song today about the promises. The promise is that his love will never leave us. Ever. And then the reminder of how man, and he loves us. Understand that he loves you so much he's jealous for you. I love that line in that song. He's jealous for you. But I just want to say for a moment, if you're here today, maybe you don't know about that love. Maybe you've never even thought about it or you've wondered. But now you've found yourself and you're just saying, I want that love. Maybe you're here this morning and you just say, man, Jim, I struggle with that so much. Just struggle with that so much. I fight against that so much of thinking that when I don't do what I think is right, that God stops loving me. Well, God, I just pray right now that your spirit just come in the midst and minister in this place right now. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to, just simply going to ask for you to come up. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Maybe you want to recommit your life. I'm going to tell you there'll be no greater celebration in this place and nobody's looking down upon you because of a decision that you made to follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if you're here this morning and you just say, Jim, I struggle with that. I struggle so much with that. It just... I think I know God loves me, but then I find myself in such turmoil and being tossed by the waves because I've traded the truth for the lie. Then come up here this morning. We're simply just going to ask God impart revelation to you. There's nothing that we can do, but the Spirit of God can give you greater revelation. Then you have to stay connected to that revelation, and how you do that is by staying connected to the Word of God. By talking to Jesus, by staying in fellowship with other brothers and sisters of like-mindedness.
I'm just going to say, like, don't walk out those doors today saying, man, I wish I would have got prayer. Don't do it. And it doesn't have to be those things. If you just need prayer today, you can come up here. We'll bring the deacons up and we'll, we'll pray over you. We would love to do that. But don't walk out the door today saying, wish I, wish I would have got prayer. The, the invitation is here right now. So God, I just thank you that the spirit of revelation lives in us. <laughs> you are the spirit of revelation and you're a resident. You're an onboard God. So God, I pray today over all of us that you would give us a greater revelation of your love today, God. And I pray it would be such a great, mighty revelation that it would drive us to be walk in obedience and get out of the boat, God, and do what you've asked us to do. And God, I thank you that in the spirit of that obedience, God, you've empowered us and you've equipped us to do it. And that we don't have to do it in our own strength, but we simply do it in your strength and we leave the results up to you, Jesus. just begin to speak peace over your people right now. I come against the enemy right now in the name of Jesus that are attacking anyone in this place right now, God, and I thank you that that same power and authority, I just uh, declare it right now in the name of Jesus that Satan, the Lord, rebuke you and we quiet you right now in the name of Jesus. The lies of the whisper have been canceled and I thank you that your children know your voice, God and a stranger they will not follow. I thank you that your children know your voice, God, and nothing else will we follow. So God, I speak peace right now. I speak blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be